This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Thursday, August 15th, 2019. I'm in Shenzhen, China, on a trip to Huawei, and I'm here with the guest that you've all known of, I'm sure by now, Eric Zeman of Android Authority. Hello. Hi. Good to see you. Yeah, awesome. So what do you think of our little visit to Shenzhen so far? So far, it's been a very pleasant trip. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, what was really exciting was last week they had the Huawei Developer Conference, HDC, not to confuse with HTC, because <laughs> a lot of people hear HTC and they think HTC. No, HTC is not back from the dead. Don't worry, it's not happening. Uh, they're dead. But uh, HTC last week revealed that Huawei had a new OS in the works. We've known this for a while. You've been writing about this stuff extensively. Harmony OS is what it's called in English. And it is basically about not really replacing, complementing Android. How do they position it? Uh, they're positioning it as, a, as an OS for everything. So it can be crammed into lots of different device types. So not just phones and tablets, but also Internet of Things type stuff. Yeah, and it's interesting that they're positioning it that way because I think they're kind of like, it feels to me like they're not coming out with guns blazing saying, we're going to put this on phones, right? But my, we know they will. My guess is they have the core kernel wrapped up in, in good shape and they got to build a UX, which they probably don't have yet, or at least enough of one to support a phone or a tablet. Yeah, no. I mean, it's interesting because so... Along with the developer conference last week, so they announced basically the OS, and then they announced uh, a TV that's branded Honor instead of Huawei, which I thought was really interesting. What What do you take on that? Do you think this is kind of like just to show like, I get the feeling they don't want people to panic about them having their own OS or something. Oh, we're just going to put on a TV kind of like WebOS with LG, you know? My guess is Huawei wants to hide its own brand a little bit right now especially if it's something that it intends or hopes to ever sell in the U.S. Um, they're, you know, persona non grata at the moment. But uh, um, Honor is also a very consumery feeling brand. And I think uh, that fits well for a product like that. Like Huawei seems to be more technology and 5G right now. And Honor is more like, I mean, is, is more like, eh, you know, this is good for home stuff. This is, you know, good tech. No, I, I think I think you're right. I've, I've I've actually always liked the Honor brand. I think that they should put more on the Honor brand in terms of international marketing. You know, obviously they're pretty successful with the Honor brand in in Europe, right? As the phones, at least. But we, I don't think we've ever seen an Honor TV, right? That's kind of like what's interesting. Yeah, brand new thing, Honor TV. So basically, these are the, the, the big items of the two big items of news we got from last week from the that HTC Huawei developer comes that of course an EMUI 10 which we're going to talk about in a minute but I kind of want to you know maybe get your thoughts since you've been covering a lot of the Huawei I guess maybe I shouldn't say politics but kind of you know on Android authority lately yeah that's like, what it is basically what do you think I mean we do you think we're going to see a phone with this, and how soon? And is it even going to be anywhere outside of China? Uh, I would say, if we see a phone, it will be not for a while. 
And whatever that device is, it's likely to only be for China. I can't imagine it would go anywhere else. Not unless, uh, you know, it, think about what Samsung did with Tizen, right? Right. That was only available in Korea for a while and a couple of other markets eventually. And it failed. I mean, it's on our watches. We're both wearing Samsung Galaxy watches right now. Um, and for that, it's great, right? And so maybe a TVOS is not a bad way to start. Yep. Get its feet wet in the new own operating system thing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so the other big component of Harmony OS is that it's starting on a TV. We think it's going to come to phones, probably not outside of China, but it's open source. So they open sourced it, meaning people can find bugs and improve it and whatever else and, and fork it. Yeah, I think that's the best thing they could have done. They need that also because it entices others to look at it. If it were a proprietary OS, developers would just write it off at least until it got some sort of traction. But the open-sourced idea gives them at least a little bit more of a hook. Didn't they HP, after they acquired Palm and got rid of it, didn't they open-source WebOS? They did, but a lot later than they said they would. I remember uh, then-CEO, was it Carly Fiorina? She said, yeah, oh, we're going yeah. to open-source it. But they didn't do that until, like, literally like two or three months right before they killed the OS. It was like they but, open sourced it like uh, cur- like compartment by compartment. And but technically it's still out there as an open source project. It is, yes. And so this is, is that how LG acquired it? Is LG's the fork of WebOS or is LG WebOS proper? Uh, I think I, it's a fork. It, it must be. I don't know that they – I would have to check the specifics on that. You know, we, we need to have pick up the phone right now and call Hadley because he would know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, I, most of the stories I'll be linking in the show notes, folks, are from Android Authority this week. And a lot of them were written by Hadley Simons. You've, we've had Hadley on the show. Hadley is kind of a, a CPU and developer stuff guru when it comes to writing about this stuff. So it's it's pretty awesome to have him, you know, his take on it. Um I mean, look, I'm excited about Harmony OS. I'm a little bummed that we didn't get to play with it here. I mean, I think that we might have a demo of the TV tomorrow, but that won't be on the podcast. However, I was really hoping that they would show us, maybe even off the record, like Harmony OS on a phone. We could have seen even some slides would have been nice. Uh, they they kind of, they didn't really talk about it. They they talked about EMUI 10 and and didn't show us much about Harmony OS at all, but it would have been nice to see a mock-up even yeah. on a phone. So that was a bit of a bummer, but um, hey, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We're getting one and dine here in, in Shenzhen, so I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that, you know, um, this is, I think, the big announcement since last week, last week's show, if you listen to it, was this Harmony OS announcement, and I would have loved to be able to dig into it a little deeper with Eric here on the show, because we're both here in Shenzhen, and we've on, on you know, on Huawei's invitation. But it's not happening. So we'll let you know more as we find out through the next few weeks on the show. But right now it looks like, you know, it's open source. It's their own OS. It's called Harmony OS. It is on a TV called the Honor Vision. Um, And that's basically what we know in a nutshell. Yeah, that's a whole of it. I was reading uh, Hadley's article, I mean. And you know he 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 goes through a lot of the details about how does you know how this affects Android and and all that other stuff, and I think right now it doesn't affect Android at all because really what's happening here is we know that Huawei and Google have had a pretty tight relationship, 
for many years now. I mean, they did the Nexus 6P for Google. Right. Huawei did. Yep. So, you know, and there was talk about that smart speaker coming out with a Google Home, you know, a Google Home-like device from Huawei, right? The one they showed us in IFA last, like last year? I don't, I think it was, I'm not sure if it's that one, but I know that they, they canceled one recently. They canceled a device. That I was, was going to say, that didn't come to market yet. No, no, but, but that, that there was rumors of this device coming and then the whole Trump thing happened. Right. And it just all fell apart. So I think that Google and Huawei are much more buddies and people realize and for good reason Huawei sells a lot of phones in the world and um and also if you look at what Huawei's doing and maybe this is a great segue for EMUI 10 they have done some really really great optimizations to Android over the years that maybe I'm not sure if some of them have ended up being adopted by other manufacturers and or even Google but things like their file their file system optimizations you know how their phones don't get slower over time and stuff they've done right. a lot of work on that right and i think that's pretty dope i think <laughs> honestly i think that we need more of that so yeah i remember last year when they were showing us EMUI 9 they went over in depth how they've honed the code so that things don't get slower. And they've targeted EMUI 10 with a similar set of improvements so that that runs even better. And, uh, you know, truth be known, I've been using some Huawei phones for a good year and they run just as well as they did the day I opened the box. I really like my Huawei phones. Um, other than the, I still feel the UI is a little too heavy-handed for my liking. But, but let's speak about that. So we saw today we got a demo of EMUI 10. Uh, well, more of a slide deck demo of EMUI 10. Yeah. Uh, obviously, some folks that were at the uh, Huawei Developer Conference last week did get a proper demo of EMUI 10. In fact, I linked to uh, an article on Android Authority by. Uh, let me see. I need to load it. But one one of your colleagues who actually did get hands on with it, yeah, um, yeah Robert Tricks, yeah. So Robert got hands on with it. So I'll link to that story in the show notes. But the takeaway, what's your takeaway? So again, I like the aesthetics and the kind of vibe of the 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 whole thing we saw today. But I'm in the back of my head all this time. I'm like, but do I really want that? Like, do I? I'm a kind of an Android purist. I, I don't, can, can we get away from this whole scanning thing altogether? And can we just have, you know, can you enhance what Google is doing in a really like useful way rather than a cosmetic way? Because the cosmetic way always kind of gets in the way somehow. It does often. Um, what I saw today looked a little cleaner. And that was one thing I remember they, they took care of between EMUI 8 and EMUI 9 was to reduce the overhead and all the menus. And what I saw today looks like they might have gone further, and I'm hoping that's the case. So that's what we see in the end product. Uh, what I saw was a cleaner UI. I don't know. We didn't really see any animation, so I, it's hard to say how fluid and natural and all that other baloney is. But um, they talk about like a, a kind of simulating you um, physically pushing a button in so when you tap an icon it reduces in size on the screen to simulate it entering the display yeah. and bounces right back up i mean it's cool i don't get me wrong i i i'm a bit of a design snob so i kind of appreciate when designers go nuts and in this case they did in a very clean and elegant way there's a lot of white space the fonts are beautiful the color choices are great um they didn't just do a dark mode on emui 10 they did a dark mode that is kind of adapting to 
um, th- like the color is not pure black, right? Like, what did he say? So it's a, it's an adaptive uh, dark mode, and what that means is apps that don't support their own dark mode will be forcibly darkened by the uh, by the UI, and um, it, you know it, it, it's not going to be a perfect darkening. I, I don't think it's they're not just necessarily flipping the white and the black. To, to darken yeah, it up. Yeah, that's what they said. It's not just a dumb flip to negative space. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's going to come to the standard handsets, they said, that adaptive uh, dark mode. So things like the Mate, uh, Mate 20 uh, and P30. But things like the Mate X will not get that adaptive dark mode. It'll support it at a native OS you mean the level. the folding phone? Yeah, the folding phone. Yeah. Why? Why did they say that? I think it's because of the the proprietary nature of the UI changes they needed for that particular form factor. Yeah, I did ask them in the in the briefing whether the the EMUI includes some you know customizations to accommodate folding phones like the Mate X, like some you know purposely thought through improvements to Android to make it even better on a folding phone beyond what Google's already done for Q, and they said uh, no. So I think that we're probably not going to see the whole gamut of EMUI 10 improvements on the Mate X when it comes out. Yeah, no, I agree. I got to wonder, I'm assuming the Mate X, when it shows up, will ship with the EMUI 10. We hope. Yeah. Um, but this this forcing apps to dark mode is done in a very intelligent way. It takes into account what the other colors in the app are, the fonts, and makes the, it did look pretty good on the slides. Yeah, no, it looked fine. And um, I, I did like the thoughtfulness that went into it. But again, I, I'm you know there are so many things that I wish they could still improve. Like once you put a Nova launcher or something on a Huawei phone, which is what I always do, you know you still have a lot of weirdness in the way the settings are handled and the notifications are handled, and you know the all the toggle shortcuts in the in the notification tray when you pull it down. It's still very modified from what Android it, it, to me what stock Android would be. It's probably a little more modified than a than a Samsung phone, probably on par with what LG is doing. Yeah, I agree. Know? I think it's a, uh, especially like the settings menu, just feels like it's just way too dense. Too much there. Um, yeah, yeah, there's too much there, and uh, I don't particularly care for the colors and fonts that are in the EMUI nine right now. So I'm hoping they change even just a little bit in the EMUI ten. Uh, so it'll be a little easier on the eyes. Yeah. It looks old school, EMUI 9 does in some ways. Like yeah. very antiquated versions of what a settings icon should look like. Yeah, I'm actually running my uh, my all my EMUI 9 devices that support it in dark mode, like at the UI level, at mm-hmm. the OS level. Um, and, of course, that doesn't make all the apps work that way because it's only the OS parts that work that right. way. Right. And right. some of Huawei's apps, but... Um, I like dark mode. It's good, not just for battery life. It's better contrast, easier to read. Um, I definitely like dark mode for late night. When you're laying in bed because you can't sleep and you want to look at your phone, which you shouldn't do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Go to bed, everybody. Um, Yeah, it's just easier on the eyes. Absolutely. And not only that, but you, you know, you're preserving battery life. And on an OLED, you really is better for the eyes because you don't even get any backlight, like any black pixels actually black. So, you know, you're just kind of like 
getting less light hitting your retina and potentially less blue light hitting your retina yeah. because of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, EMUI 10, like the reality is, is, again, in the same way as we did not get a demo of Harmony OS on a phone, and we they, they didn't get, they didn't confirm that it would come to a phone, but we pretty much know it will because it makes sense because we know what the politics are. If things go sour with US and Google, they're gonna have to have need they're gonna need an alternative of some kind. And this is why you know I mean obviously I've been working on this for a long time, but this is a good time for the you know at a develop conference is a good time to announce this stuff. But I would, in the same way as we didn't find out too much about Harmony OS today, I kind of feel like that we, you know, we got a kind of a very superficial, um, you know, slide deck uh, talking point presentation that didn't really show us with hands-on. Like the other thing is we, you know, some folks have really received a new MUI 10 update to their phones and you, that's where the hands-on, uh, Robert's hands-on comes into play. But right. I haven't played with it, so I really don't have a really good point of rest. I wish I could tell you more on the show right now. But again, I'm not a big fan of skins. As soon as I get UMUI 10 on a device, I'm just going to continue using Nova Launcher anyway. And uh, <laughs> I'm not going to care. Sorry. Like, <laughs> Too I mean, bad. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. How, how do you feel about this, Eric? You review a ton of phones. You and I have reviewed a ton of phones for like 20 years now, at least. You for 20, me for a bit less than that. Yep. And it's like, do you, I feel that I don't. Usually, I don't like use whatever they give me. I just create my own universe on the phone, right? Like, sure. I just put my own launcher, my own generally keyboard is my preferred keyboard, and then you know whatever apps that I need. And I don't really customize too much using their stuff unless there's a specific feature that they're really talking about that I should try out. And when I take photos of the device, I usually switch it to their launcher. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, at least in my review, it actually like shows the product as they intended to. The experience that most but, people will probably get. But I don't get. really, ex- I, I hate to say this, but I'm too selfish to try to use the phone with their UI experience most of the time. Are you the same or do you make an effort? Um, no, I, I use the phones as they come out of the box. I mean, I move things around, of course. I wipe the home screen panels and put the icons where I want them, but... Um, I generally go with the experience that's provided, especially if I'm reviewing it. Um, you know, over the years, I've come to decide that Motorola is is doing a great job with its version of Android, which is I like it. which is super clean and has some extra, actually useful and tasteful additions like Moto Actions, um, and and they still have a great act uh, active display. Yeah. Um, and the other one that has done a fantastic job, I think, is OnePlus. I was just going to say that. Oxygen OS uh, is is same Those thing. Those are the two, right? It's got a beautiful set of additions to the UI um, that just make using the platform great. I sometimes feel like it's almost better than the Pixel, you know, in some ways. In some ways, sure. Yeah. There's only a couple things that, that turn me off to, to it. And uh, otherwise, it's it's really nice. Yeah. I like it too. Speaking of OnePlus, um, we can segue into this. I'm jumping around a little bit, but we talked about this on the show last week. Uh, and and basically, Sprint and OnePlus have announced that they're going to be launching a 5G phone sometime soon. Soonish, I figure, is the fall. Uh, I mean, we're close. It's August. So um, the speculation we had in the show last week was that maybe this would be a OnePlus 7 Pro. 
But I have a feeling now it might be the next gen of the phone, the OnePlus. What I, if, assuming if they're going with the T nomenclature again, they would be the OnePlus 7T Pro. That's what I would assume. Right. Plus 5G. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but, the dumbest name possible. Right. But here's the thing. So the this is the preface for last week was, you know, Sprint and OnePlus and 5G. And we speculated it might be a, a next-gen phone. But this, I think, confirms it. There was a story. Uh, there's, a, there's a rumor out there, basically, that uh, OnePlus is making a 5G phone that's going to be for the entire world. So basically not just select markets like the current uh, 7 Pro is. And basically, um, you know, it was uh, basically the Financial Times that talked to to Pete Lau. I thought it was uh, I thought it was uh, Carl Pei, but it's Pete Lau. And apparently, Pete Lau confirmed there's a new five G phone coming this year. And that's not a stretch because there's, if they make two phones a year, they already made a five G phone. But what was interesting was basically that it won't be in a UK exclusive like it is right now. Yeah, and no, and they... and. Together with his sprint announcement, it kind of makes me think that it might be too soon for us to see a sprint OnePlus 7 Pro 5G, and it might be a OnePlus 7T Pro 5G because of that. Well, what's interesting is OnePlus has not done the best job in the world about targeting Sprint and Verizon in the US. Um, was it the you can use them on like Verizon's network, but yeah. It requires well. You only get LTE. Yeah, you only get LTE, and it, uh, <laughs> it's so it's a not a perfect experience, not the experience Verizon wants for its customers. Um, no, but anyway, uh, if they really truly make a, an international five G phone that can handle uh, different five G networks, that'd be great. It just you got to wonder what spectrum they're targeting. So is it going to be low band, mid band, high band? Blah, blah, blah. You know. That's a good question because right now the, the OnePlus 7 Pro 5G, the reason it's only with E in the UK is it's mid-band, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I mean, that that's why Sprint. I'm like mid-band Sprint, right? Yeah. And so um, also, but if, but if they made a, a phone for Sprint, if OnePlus made a phone, whichever phone that ends up being, the current one or the next gen one, it would have to have some pretty wild bands, right? Because Sprint's yeah. got some pretty wackadoodle stuff going on. Yeah, they've yeah. got their um, CDMA band still, and their LTE is in 2.5 gigahertz, and I they're know. refarming some of that for the 5G. Uh, so it's uh, it's a mess. It's a mess. Um, but also speaking of uh, OnePlus TV, we knew they were going to make a TV that was kind of dropped at some point last year, sometime. But now there's more. Uh, there's more. You know, kind of confirmation of that. Uh, in so far that uh, you know the, the company basically revealed that they're doing something by tweeting, I think it was, or in the OnePlus forums. That's right. They they dropped the name of their TV, which uh, be, be, be careful here is going to be mind blowing. OnePlus TV is what it's going to be called, and they they showed a logo of what it would look like. Super unique name. I love. Yeah, it. they went all out here. So we know that's uh, that's coming. Um, I don't know if it's going to come to the U.S. Same, same with that 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 Honor Vision TV. I, I mean, that, I don't think that's going to come to the U.S. Yeah, probably not. Um, so basically, you know, the Bluetooth SIG confirmed it. It looks like 43 to 75 inches. Uh, and it should launch in the September 26th in India. So I know a lot of my listeners are in India. So 
You should get super excited if you're hearing this. Uh, if you want a OnePlus TV, it might be happening sooner than we think. So that's what we know so far. So it's part rumor, part conf- confirmed, because we're not sure about some stuff, but some stuff we're sure about. And uh, yeah, so there's a 65 model, so it looks like 65 inch, 43 and 75. And, you know, yeah. That's basically it. Uh, maybe a 55 as well. I would assume a 55. A 55 yeah. would make sense. There's a talk of that. I'm just scanning through the article right now. Um, what I'm curious to know is uh, if what sort of integrations there might be with OnePlus handsets. That would be yeah. awesome. Like like your remote controller is a is a you know no brainer. Um, although I don't think its phones have IR blasters right now, so they'd have to put an IR blaster and. Well, it could do it wirelessly, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, both devices have Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So it might be one of those, like, AirPods. It auto-pairs, and you can use your your phone as a remote out of the box. You would assume silly things like uh, Chromecast support built in and uh, uh, smart TV capabilities. So it would be great to see what they do with it. Hopefully it's interesting and not just a TV. Yeah. Um, so now that we just talked about TVs again, I'm going to go back to that vision TV because I actually realized that in the article that Hadley wrote, there's specs. So let's look at that real quick. Uh, there's so 55 inch 4k HDR display, LED, not OLED, uh, 94% screen to body ratio, a four megapixel pop-up camera. Interesting. 1080p video, uh, calls, and it's running some kind of, uh, Hong, Honghu. 18, 818 chipset. You familiar with that? Why does it sound like it's going to find its way into conference rooms in corporate buildings? That does. It I sounds mean, like a, it sounds like a, a, a is Hong-Hu, video machine. Is Honghu a, a, like a Huawei brand of chip? Was that a third party? I, you've got, I've never heard it before. Honghu. Let's see. Honghu. I'm, I'm Googling it. We'll find out in a sec. Honghu chip. Uh, honors for civil pick. Yeah, that's it's all about honor here. Um, I don't see anything else about that. Maybe Honghu is a is an in house chip like Kirin is. It could be, or it could just be a off the out of the parts bin type selection. Yeah, set top boxes, you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, there's no talk of Android. That's the other thing. Like with the OnePlus TV, like obviously it would be running Android TV. Yeah, you'd think, but with this, obviously it's running. You know, Harmony OS. So that's kind of another interesting bit. I'm sure most people don't give a crap what OS their TV is running as long as it does what they want it to do. In fact, it's kind of scary when you have to think about all the security implications and the software updates you have to worry about with. uh... So here's some more information. NFC, Bluetooth 5, three HDMI 2 ports, one USB 3 port, Ethernet. It's got the YoYo voice assistant, which is Huawei's own, well, Honor's voice assistant. And Honor Link, I don't know what that is. Uh, use your smartphone and tablet to search for programs that just sitting on TV. Just what we're talking about doing with the OnePlus. Um, it's going to go on sale in China this month. Wow. Okay. And it's uh, $538 uh, starting at 538 And there's going to be a, one with more storage for 679 Storage. Yeah. So both have two gigs of RAM. One has 16 gigs of storage. One has 32 gigs of storage. That's an awful lot of more money for just storage. I bet you the size difference, too. It's got to be. It's got to be a size difference. What's that? 16 um, gigabytes. That's ridiculous. Like, right. What you, that's one HD 4K movie. 
<laughs> yeah, and four hundred and fifty dollars more now. <laughs> this has got to be wrong, but um, yeah, and and you know, actually, another thing that this since we're back on on Huawei again, um, one of the things that stuck out for me with the MUI ten was the performance. Like they look like it looks like the Huawei phones, and to that extent, Honor phones running EMUI. There's a few. There's Magic UI and EMUI. They're very similar. Uh, are always super fast, right? Like I mean. I find that the Kirin chips that combine with the optimizations that, that EMUI brings to the table is always a super delightful experience in terms of snappiness. Oh, yeah. And I think from what one of the things they did talk about in the presentation was that EMUI 10 would, would crank that up a notch again. And I'm kind of looking forward to that to see if that's actually noticeable. What struck me is how they uh, they showed us a lot of bell curves. And a lot of those bell curves were concerned with... Um, fine-tuning the response time of the UI. Like, if it's too fast, it feels abrupt. But if it's not fast enough, people get pissy about it. And uh, so they were, like, targeting a certain, you know, millisecond response time to interactions with the OS when you touch the screen. So, yeah, we'll see uh, how that figures and plays out once the UI hits phones. And apparently it's coming with a bunch of camera improvements, camera UI, I think, improvements. Oh, it's uh, simple. That's one thing they needed to change because their camera app sucks. Yeah. But this apparently has like Leica filters, Leica branded filters, uh, you know, like for, you know, filters. They're very popular with the kids these days. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Um, again, we'll let you know once we get a build and play with it a little bit more. Um, and then same with, you know, Harmony OS, obviously, but, um, back to the topic stream. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about a leak that's kind of hit the, hit the, hit the, the, the feeds. Uh, you guys covered it, um, about this Moto One Zoom phone that's supposed to be kind of a pseudo flagship. I don't even know if Moto's planning to ever make a flagship with a flagship chip anymore. But um, a lot of it leaked today, and there's apparently, um, it could be called the One Pro or the One Zoom. And again, is this meant for the U.S. market, you think? Is this going to come to U.S.? Do you think it's going to be a foreign product? Because the Moto ones so far have all been foreign, right? Yeah, no, I think this is a targeting the rest of the world type thing. Like, we'll probably see it in Brazil, uh, which is Motorola's one big market, and uh, in other spaces where... $400 phones are, you know, what most people are buying. Uh, yeah, the leak looks interesting. Um, it's got a a very um, Mate 20 Pro-like quad camera array on the back. Yeah. And uh, it would be great to find out exactly how Motorola is making use of that design to uh, to uh, capture Imaging, yeah. image pictures and video and stuff. So Roland Quant, who used to write for Mobile Geeks, uh, I don't know if he still does, but when they call Scott, uh, basically kind of scooped us with this stuff on his Twitter by posting photos. And they look, you know, they, they would be product like, you know, uh, what's it called? Not renders. They're Maybe they're rendery looking, but they look like they'd be the kind of things you see in a pamphlet. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, they show four cameras in the back, a Moto logo that lights up, and a, a teardrop notch. The front actually very much has that classic Moto shape you see on the Moto G7. Yep. And with the rounded edges and a bit of a bezel at the chin at the bottom. And it's got the um the the you know the teardrop and then a 
four camera sensors and a flash. And so the sensors, apparently one of them is the, you know, ubiquitous 48 megapixel uh, sensor. I mean, it could be Samsung's instead of Sony's, but the, you know, the IMX586 is the one I'm thinking about, you know. Yeah, the, yeah. And that's a pretty great sensor. Uh, and then, you know, and it has optical initialization apparently too. Um, Snapdragon 675, 4 gigs of RAM, 120 gigs of internal storage. Sounds very like an evolution of the G7 cranked up to the max, or the Z4 cranked up to the max. Well, it's Moto Mod. There's no mods here. Yeah. Um, and 399 euros, 445 dollars US. That's pretty aggressive for if the camera is any good. That's really that really goes head to head with the G7. Uh, the G7 is a little cheaper, isn't it? Yeah, the G7 is less than 300 now. Yeah. It was around 300 retail, right. or like MSRP, and then it went down to 250-ish now. Yeah. But it's also made of plastic this year. The chassis on the G7 is plastic. The back is glass. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the past, the chassis was metal and the back was glass. And then the lower G7s, like the G7 Force that, uh, that has a crazy, no, Z7 Power that has a crazy battery in it, mm-hmm. uh, is plastic back and plastic chassis. Mm-hmm. And then the G7 Play is also cheap, cheap, cheap. The G7 Plus is plastic shell and back uh, rear uh, rear glass. So this hopefully is metal and glass at that price point. We'll find out. I mean, the Moto Z4 is in that price point. It's metal and glass. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, of course, the, the, the One series of Moto Phone, this is what's so confusing about it. We don't know if this is coming to North America. The One series is never made to North America. And the One series traditionally is an Android One phone. They run Android One. So this one doesn't look like it's running Android One yet. It's branded and uh, One Moto One. And it's, it looks like it might be an Amazon exclusive when it comes to the U.S. Sold... Um, for Prime members at $450, and it would include Alexa integration. How wackadoodle is that? That is wackadoodle. We're I, using that word a lot today. <laughs> this is kind of great. I'm uh, really surprised about the Alexa integration. Um, obviously, it's still going to have Google Assistant on there, uh, unless. Well, yeah, no. Yeah. But I mean, you know, remember the, what was it? Back to Huawei, the Mate 10 yeah. Pro. Plus Pro, whatever it was, had um, had Alexa, remember? And didn't an HTC phone have Alexa built in? Yes, I want to say the HTC 11? Uh, one, they may one. have been the first, even. Yeah, I can't remember. First phone, not that it mattered. Poor HTC, I don't want to be mean to them. I like them, but uh, they kind of lost the plot. Um so anyway, look, it's interesting because Moto's phones, I've reviewed a lot of them, not just mention them on the podcast. You know, I write stories for Geekspin for Elena's uh, publication, and I seem to be always reviewing the Moto phones for Elena. So I did the G7, the G7 Power, the Z4 this year, and I kind of got my hands on the G7 Plus, but not the actual Moto one, the T-Mobile Revelry Plus which is the re-branded. a rebranded Moto G7 Plus, which yeah. honestly is kind of awesome. I like the phone a lot. But it's not awesome that they rebranded and changed the back cover. It's I think like, it's weird that T-Mobile's doing its own branded phones. Like Most of the time, they're Alcatel phones or TCL phones. Well, I, I'd, I'd rather have a Moto, honestly. Yeah, well, of course. So good kudos to them for that. So, yeah, I mean, basically, this is kind of an interesting little tidbit that kind of made it through the channels. Um, we'll see what comes out of it. I, I don't know. I think it's cool. Um, what was your take? Remember, we were both, about a year ago, we went to Chicago, all of us, to see that crazy Moto Mod 5G 
and see the Moto Z3, was it? Z3? That was the Z3 Play. Play, no. No, the, no. there was a Z3. The Z3 is the one they launched at in Chicago. The Z3 Play came out earlier because they're different, remember? Right, 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 right. right. And we all scratched our head because they had Snapdragon 835, remember that? Yep. Um, so you, did you play with a Z4 this year? Oh, yeah. It's it's pretty decent. It's I think it's a great phone. Uh, I'm trying to remember my review. I think the the one drawback... up. <laughs> the, the one drawback, as always, with Motorola phones was was probably the camera. Um, yeah. Battery life... Although it did have the, I, the IMX586 this time. Yeah. It had the 48 megapixel. Motorola has always done good with battery life. Um, I'm pleased with that. Uh, and with the mod system, you know, you've got accessories galore and that that helps for the for for motorola um because carriers love accessories and selling accessories and the moto z line basically has a built-in set of accessories with the battery and the speaker and the game controller and all that stuff yeah absolutely i'm um actually searching for your stories right now on android authority so that we can see what you said but i like the z4 not mostly i didn't care too much about the mods because that's been done to death but i thought that you know especially if it comes down price a little bit it'd be pretty decent i'm i saw you reviewed the the xperia one recently i did i didn't get a chance to read your review i have one in my pocket i really got it about three weeks ago and i've been playing with it on and off on this trip and before um what was your takeaway did you like it um it's a it's a weird phone i think the 21 by 9 aspect ratio is goofy and uh <laughs> you don't like it then well the aspect ratio it's just not the content isn't there right so sure they're targeting netflix lovers because a lot of the stuff on netflix is is at 21 by 9 or near 21 by 9 right which is fine but when you find something that's not 21 by 9 then you get the black curtains uh or it yeah. zooms in yeah. and you lose the top and bottom of the picture um, and apps don't know how to treat that yet. Apps will just put empty space down there. It just it's goofy. That'll change over time, of course. Uh, now, my big problem with the Xperia One was the camera. Yeah, I think it was it's worse than the XZ3 was from last year. Oh, really? They did a great job with that phone, uh, and that was one of their best cameras. But this, they lost it. You know, they. It's funny because I haven't really had any issues with it. I mean, I feel like it's competitive. It's not like standing out. It's not like an Honor 30, uh, sorry, a, a P30 Pro or or uh, or even a P30 or, or, or a Google Pixel 3 or 3A or 3A or 3XL. But it's, I feel it's up there with a Galaxy S10 and, uh, and everything else. Low light seems solid. It's got OIS on both the tele and the main. This is the first Sony phone with OIS. Despite the fact that they make OIS sensors for everyone else, they've never made, they've never put OIS on their own sensor. They've always, you know, handled it with software before. Yeah, I would I know it. I I I had issues with HDR. I thought its HDR performance was was awful. It could be. I haven't played with it enough yet, but I've been using it and taking photos, and nothing's come out of there. Uh, looking like, oh my god, this is a disaster. And but nothing also using like basically, I've never 
been unhappy with what I've shot so far, but maybe I need to push it a little harder. Yeah. I mean, the hardware itself is amazing. It's beautiful. It's a gorgeous phone. I love it. I love how narrow it feels, but then I hate how narrow it feels when I use the keyboard. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like forget the Netflix 219, whatever. If you don't care about that, yes, the black bands are pain in the ass. But for a second, just forget about that. And for me, the, the, the first in hand, it feels great. And then, wah, 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 you try to type, you realize it feels like you're typing on a four-inch phone, right? Yeah. It's a pain. But then the other thing is, I had less problems with the apps I'm running. All of them seem to scale properly to the big screen. I don't know if they fix huh. some of that. Or maybe I don't use as many apps as you are. Like, mostly it's Google apps, and they just seem to work. Did you get a system update? Because I've had millions of system Syst- updates. Yeah, Sony's been pretty consistent about pushing system it's updates. It's pretty impressive. I've gotten a few. Actually, I got a system update on this trip. Um, and I'm not. I'm not saying that's the one that fixed it because I had no issues with the app since day one. So mm. um, the other thing I noticed about that weird aspect ratio, or generally about the shape and the the design of the handset, it's beautifully made, but the battery's pretty small. And I mean, it's not like killer because it's 855 and the 855 is very efficient. But I can't remember what the milliamp is. But 30, it was three thousand three hundred. That doesn't seem much like no, enough no, to me. It's short. And what's so, crazy is it has a 4K display. I mean, it's cropped a little. It's cropped 4K. It's not all the pixels it's that you would t- get on a standard. It's 4K and then make it 21.9 and cut yeah. the rest out. Yeah. So it's like 2.8K, basically, or 3K. Yeah, it's a lot of pixels. And, uh, yeah, that phone just barely gets a day. Yeah. yeah it, it could be better. But overall, it's, you know, it's like Sam, Sony doesn't seem to, like, be, like, care. I mean, I... It's it's kind of annoying to me that they keep making phones and it just seems to be like an afterthought. Yeah. Yet it isn't because you, clearly they put some energy and effort into making this 21.9, putting three cameras of the three kinds that we want, the ultra-wide, the tele, and the, the main, and that they're not, in my opinion, too sucky. And, and that yet the battery is small and the fingerprint reader on the side is separate from the power button, which is a f***ing hate that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, what were they thinking? Uh, and no, I don't know. Like, I, you know, a lot of times phones are designed by committee and I, this, this was, this is the result you get, you know? Yeah. A little bit of a mishmash. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, I just feel like I'm, I'm liking the phone, but I'm kind of all like, you know, if I hadn't gotten one to review, I don't think I would have missed it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like one of those phones where I like, we all unanimously jump up and down and say, you need to get this phone. And on top of that, it's $949. Oh, God, yeah. You know, if you're going to spend that much, get a Galaxy S10. Yeah. Which you can probably get for less than that now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, get, buy and wait and buy the Note 10, even the basic Note 10, the non, non-plus one. Yeah, yeah. you got to get a better phone. So I saw another review you did, which I'm curious about, and that's the LG V50. None of us have received new units. I'm pretty tight with LG, and I sent them an email saying, hey, can I get a V50 to review? And they're like, well, you know, we don't have too many to go around, plus you're not in a 5G market. And I'm like, you're right, I'm not in a 5G market in Bay Area. So, so like, I didn't insist, because I was like, you know, it's probably like the V40, but with a Snapdragon 855 basically, and 5G. So what is your take on that phone? Did you like it compared to the G8? Or is it better or worse? Is the 5G any good? Like, all that good stuff. It's a, you know, it's it's a hot-rodded V40. Right. Um, so yeah. if, you, if, if the G8 was too small a device, 
and you only you didn't like the limitation of the two camera setup. Right. The the V fifty ThinQ five G fixes that. Fixes that. It's a bigger phone and uh, it has a bigger battery and better battery life. And it even has, in five G, or did you use it much at all in five G? No, in a, well, I I only tested it for five in five G for one day. But I destroyed the battery. Yeah, of course. But that was that was running speed tests and downloading. Was videos. it a hot day too? Yeah, it was warm. That was in Texas. That was and in it's Dallas. Sprint and Sprint, right? Know? Yeah, so it was not millimeters. So you're running yeah. sub six or yeah. mid band. Yeah, no, it's it's a solid phone. I mean, LG people write them off these days anymore. You know, they used I to be a leader. Like the G8. Uh, the, the G8's fine. It's I just the gestures was a gaming I didn't care, and the price was too high. But overall, the size, the compactness of that phone, it's and, so. And I think the camera is completely underrated. A lot of people glossed over that camera, thinking it's just an improvement. I took some shots of that camera that kind of blew my freaking mind. I showed them to Andrew Martinick at Android Central, and he was like, "Wait a minute." That's a G8 photo? I'm like, yeah, you were there. We were on the pier in San Francisco at that Qualcomm thing where, uh, you know, they had a, I can't remember what the detail of that, that, oh, it was the AI summit. For their AI summit, you know, we're at a restaurant on the San Francisco pier and I took some photos out there and I was like, I had the, I had the P30 Pro with me and sure, the P30 Pro obliterated everyone, but like the G8 did, possibly did better in low light than my Pixel 3 did. Yeah, I mean, you can't write LG off. They've done, they've done a lot of work. They've done uh, some great things with their cameras and their phones. I, I really don't know why they don't get any love at all. Um, the problem is I just – I find everything LG does to be incredibly boring. Um, yes. There's, there's, <laughs> it's just – I mean, they're fine, but they're not uh, – they don't inspire lust. There's definitely none of that. Um and it's just they they could make some simple tweaks, you know, that know. would that would give them some personality, and that would go a long way. And I kind of feel the same with Sony. There's some potential there, but it's just kind of like, yeah, this is good enough. Like you can kind of, it, you know, you said design by committee. Yeah. That's exactly what LG phones feel like. Mm -hmm. Oh, we can't put the third camera in that phone because you got the V50. Or or the G8S or whatever, the one that's sold in Korea that yeah. has the three cameras. Like, right. what the F were you thinking? <laughs> like, you want to be competitive with that phone for another year? You can't. Like, Well, it seems to me that LG has just become completely risk-averse. They're just doing the, the bare minimum to, to stay with the competition without pushing the envelope. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, this is a cutthroat business, uh, and if you want to win over consumers, you got to be a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, no, for sure. So, I mean, for me, the big thing about LG that bugs me is that I feel like their their customer is still the carriers. Everyone seems to have moved away from that. Yeah. Everyone, like even Sony. I mean, Sony's never really been significant in the, in the US, but. But like LG still, when you hear them talking, like, yeah, we built this phone basically to appease the carriers. It's probably, they probably had a deal. They probably signed a contract that required them to produce X type of phone three years in a row. And that's why we've gotten the, the G6, G7, and G8, which are evolutionarily, you know, identical. Right. Um, I mean, the G6 was a little different. But uh, yeah, it does feel like... They were not trying to appease 
I mean, people they were trying to appease accountants. The G6 was a significant phone at its time. Like I, it was the first six, 18 by nine phone. Yep. And with rounded corners, I thought it had a beautiful industrial design. The camera was solid. That's one of LG's best phones ever. It was the G4 before it. Was right? good. Was also um, good. Yeah. The G5 was a miss. The G7 was not too bad, but. Um, you know, for a while it was TikTok, right? They, the good the one, odd bad were one, good poor, one, bad, the yeah. evens were good, and although the G3 wasn't too bad either. Oh, we're dating ourselves now. Um, but uh, I also saw, we've we've beaten this to death on the show, so I don't want to talk about it too much, but I saw you review the Nokia 9 peer review, which we, you know me and imaging. I love cameras. I love camera phones. I'm a long-time Nokia fan. I used to review a lot of Nokia phones back in the day. And when I was at MWC for this announcement, I was like, oh, this is exciting. It looks whack, whack-a-doodle. There we go. We're doing it again. And <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh, let's let's get a device. It took me a long time because, you see, the initial reviews were bad, right? Remember that? They were. And, and the software got improved, but still the reviews were bad. So HMD didn't want to field out more review units and Ben didn't have more. And so I, I only got mine three or four weeks ago and I used it and what a mess, even today. Like the camera is a disaster. The fingerprint reader doesn't work. And those are my biggest issues. And we've beaten this to death. But in one sense, what would you say about that phone? Like, do you, what do you, what did you think about HMD and what they're doing in general? So this is the flip situation from LG, right? They, they, they went out and did a crazy ass thing. Let's put six cameras on a phone or five cameras. Let's let's be nutty and uh, and you know see what works and and we'll work with this wackadoodle camera company called Light and uh, and you know kind of buy into their idea of this Penta camera design and um, they they just didn't execute. For whatever they couldn't get the code right. I don't know what. It feels like a prototype that never gone really polished enough to be you know released. It's like a point eight release. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was see I, the hardware was awesome. Uh I I loved the color of that phone. There was so much about it that was so great, but um the camera was such a letdown. And specifically when you're I mean, they took the chance. They went out there, unlike LG, they went out there and took the biggest chance they could. And unfortunately, it flopped. I mean, I want it to be a good thing. And I want it to maybe the next gen uh, where the hardware can really handle that many cameras. Because I feel that's what's happening. That was a Snapdragon 845. Yeah. And also, you know, they were, so they were using the ISPs, but they were also combining stuff with the CPUs and GPUs and DSPs and stuff. So they were really tactical. Remember when I took a photo, is processing in the background for a while? Yeah. Uh, that was, it, that, that's, you know, if you look at the reviews of the Nokia 1020 and 808 back in the day, the same thing ha- happened. It was like the processing time, like, there was no enough, not enough horsepower for the idea of what they were trying to do yet. Yeah. And I think this is another one of those situations, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully they swap it out for an 855 in the next gen or and whatever. Then, and then, you know, continue improving the software so that maybe the 845 version of the existing font gets at least... Here's what I want, right? My biggest gripe with it in terms of imaging was the dynamic range is kind of amazing, but it's about the only thing that amazed me. And, and the inconsistency of the JPEGs generated from the raw data 
like automatically generated, you know, the, the actual yeah. final result right. were completely all over the place in the sense that sometimes it was okay. I could use it directly in social media. I didn't feel like it was bad, but sometimes it was just so bad. I was like, a Moto G7 would take a better photo <laughs> than this. Like, and, and I mean, actually, I shouldn't make fun of the Moto G7. I think the camera on the Moto G7 is decent, but I'm saying, okay, a cheap phone from five years ago would take a better picture than this. Sometimes it felt that bad. Yeah, it was rough. It, it was, was totally rough. rough. It was rough. Um, we should probably kind of like go back to talking about why a little bit since we're here in Shenzhen on a beautiful trip uh, yep. visit. We're their guests. Have you used their laptops at all? I have used their laptops. How do you feel about that? Um, you know, I have their uh, Mate X laptop. Yeah, me too. And um, it's it's sleek. It's light. It travels well. I think the trackpad is entirely too touchy. Uh, <laughs> it's way too... Res- I've turned the responsiveness literally all the way down. Do you use Macs? I do. It's pretty much the same as a Mac to me. Oh, uh, It's way more sensitive. Okay. But, that's a, you know, it's a Windows 10 thing, right? Because with Windows, the way you interact with the, the trackpad is a little bit different yeah, from, yeah, right, from right. Mac OS. But um, overall, it's great. Yeah. Absolutely. I like it. I think they're really solid. It's too bad, though, that, you know, I was just looking randomly. Uh, Dan Seifert at The Verge, a friend, posted that he updated the uh, their, you know, best laptops of the, the current moment, the current era, um, with uh, the latest recommendations. Okay. And, uh, you know, I read it and there's, you know, they were gung-ho on the MateBook uh, X Pro, right? They, a year they, ago, uh, and, probably, yeah. No, their first gen, when they first came out, yeah. they said this is the absolutely best Windows laptop you can buy today. Yeah. And it's not even in the list anymore because of the thing you wrote about, which is the whole Huawei Trump debacle. But I don't want to get into that because we've covered that at length. I just feel like it's unfortunate because I still feel their hardware is so solid. Well, and didn't they cancel the... Uh... I don't think they canceled it, but it's... it's any journalist is not going to recommend that right now, not knowing whether you're going to get support for it. Yeah, yeah. Now, to U.S. consumers, yeah, yeah. You can't and, recommend something that has such a unknown future. Yeah, and so that was that kind of bummed me out. And so, you know, speaking of the MateBook X Pro, I mean, one of the best laptops. You've obviously used the P30 Pro at length. And what's your take on their phones in general? Mate 20 Pro, P30 Pro, you've used them all. There's some of my favorite phones from the, the last few years. Hardware is killer, right? Hardware is killer. Camera. They've done some great things with the, the glass designs, you know, the gradient colorways. Um, all great stuff. Uh, the P20 Pro was, was one of my absolute favorite phones of all time. I took it on vacation last summer, summer of 2018, and uh, I took some of the, the best vacation pictures I've ever had um, with that phone. The 20 Pro, right? The 20 Pro, yeah. yeah. P20 Pro. I remember you telling me that. Yeah, I mean, if you actually talk to most tech journalists, a lot of us have taken these phones on vacations and had, basically because we wanted the best camera we could get, it's either that or a Pixel or both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's 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 interesting. I'm, I'm kind of wondering where they're going to go with the Mate 30 Pro. I was hoping we would see a sneak peek of that this week, but no. Well, we didn't, but we did. And I know for you, it wasn't that exciting because you already played with it at MWC. But we did all got a chance to play with a Mate X, the folding phone. And um, nothing seems to have changed too much since MWC, right? I mean, the phone we played with was pretty solid. Yeah, Everything worked. It didn't seem too fragile or anything. No, it's definitely beyond the prototype stage. You know, they're... 
coming up on the release, the suggested release. I mean, release. this is somebody's personal phone we were using, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it was one of the guy's phones. So I think it was pretty solid. And, I mean, you know, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to, to you know, first of all, I want, an, I want a real folding phone to be available. Like, okay, there's the Royal... Uh, Flex Pi that's available now. I don't know if you saw it. Like <laughs> oh, Mar- yeah, yeah, yeah. Marquez reviewed it. Yeah, yeah. And Zach at Jerry Rig Everything tore it down. Yeah. Um, and actually had a hard time breaking it. So that's actually a good sign. But um, at the same time, you know, the Galaxy Fold is launching what? Did they give us a date? Or was it September? I think it's next month, yeah. Or they said September, right? I think they're waiting to get over the Note 10 And launch. of course, they're, they're trying to bury it under the carpet. It's just going to... They're launching it so that they can save face. It's probably going to be revamped and hopefully more reliable but 10 people are going to buy it t-mobile's dropped out at&t is probably going to drop out they haven't said anything so i don't want to come to full so i kind of feel like the mate x even though it's not going to come to the u.s might be the first is mass ish produced folding phone because the royal flex pi is not really that mass produced i gotta say i uh, i've played with both the galaxy fold and the mate x and I, I think the Mate X is a better idea. Um, I like the idea uh, better, but I'm worried how it's going to wear out now that I've seen uh, how bad things were with the Galaxy and how, you know, yeah, you can see that fold and stuff. Yeah, that, that's not going to go away. But uh, I just the, the the whole concept of it is is sleeker, looks better, and um, just feels better to use. Like the Galaxy Fold was so clunky, and it's like an inch thick. And... Uh, the, it l- looks like a 2007 era communicator from Nokia that uh, you know was kind of slapdash together. And you uh, made me laugh while I was drinking water. Just there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so pretty much. It's not a phone I would want to buy. Yeah, even if it didn't cost two grand. So yeah, um, mate, the Mate X from Huawei. I I hope it does well. You know, hopefully it paves the way for. More better folding phones. The idea of unfolding a phone and having an instant tablet or near tablet is appealing, but um, will they ever become mainstream? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I want. I kind of wanted to. I mean, you you used the fold, right? Like, did mm-hmm. you? Were you one of the reviewers that had one, or did you just use it like as a hands-on briefly? I've seen it a few times, but we I did didn't have it for a few days, like some of the no, folks, we didn't right? Have it. So, yeah, a lot of us didn't. <laughs> that was another thing I we talked about on the show. How annoying! But but the feeling I got from the people I talked to, to about, that used it, they liked the idea, like the concept of having this thing that turns from a smaller device to a larger device, a tablet-sized device. Super dope. So I'm kind of hoping that we can get over the technical limitations to make this real. Maybe with that corning folding glass that they've been talking about. And, you know, who knows? I mean, and then also there's all these rumors of that Moto Razor next-gen folding phone, right? That's like a vertical folder. That's still like being, that came up in my feeds again last week. And I'm like... You know what? It wasn't significant enough for me to put it in the show notes, but it's like it's obviously still happening, and we're not sure when and what. I mean, you know what's crazy to me is that Samsung first announced the Galaxy Fold in November of last year. Yeah, um, not wholly, but they at least showed off the basic idea at their developer conference. Totally. And uh, so, <laughs> by the time it hits the market, it'll be in ten months. 
Which is an and I feel the same time. about Huawei too. It's like it's like it's coming soon. Like they seem to indicate in our talk when we talked today that it was coming pretty soon. But the reality is, if we saw the MWC, that's now been seven months. Yeah. And probably by the time it ships, it'll be eight or nine months. That's a long lead time for a phone. And I mean, and that honestly, I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd have to look at the photos I took today and put them side by side with the photos I took at MWC. But the phone looked identical to me. Whereas we know Samsung has reworked things. They they showed actually some of the differences they reworked like when, yep. when they announced that they were finally shipping it. Um, and so either Huawei has no issues and they're testing and they've actually really tested it thoroughly or um, they didn't and it's going to fall apart. <laughs> but uh, I doubt it. I mean, Huawei is kind of a master at building hardware. They're good at it. They do it well. They do a great so job. So I'm actually pretty confident this thing. The only thing is, will the, how easily will the display scratch? Like being exposed like this all the time. I love the concept. I love how you can fold it. Did you see how it's basically barely bigger than a P30 Pro when it yeah. was folded? It's a little thicker, but... I do worry about the the one edge. Like that how scuffed, scuffed up is that going to be and what's it going to look like when it's open? And even like you're wearing jeans right now. Like can you... That, that's a little rough, right? The fabric. Like how much wear is that going to put on the phone when you slide it in and slide it out and slide it in every day? Like I see how much wear I'm getting on my... A pixel uh, fi- fabric case, and it's not bad, but the corners are definitely shinier, you yeah. know, because they uh, they get kind of um, worn out by the fabric in my pants. I I wear cargo pants; they're usually pretty thick cotton. So I don't know. I think we'll we'll have to see. Um, on the plus side, by having it in your pants like this, the, the display will always be fingerprint free because you know you slide it in a piece of fabric; it's nice and clean. It's like a, <laughs> it's like having a bu- a buffing cloth inside your pants, cleaning it up. It's pretty good. Um, well, we'll see how it goes. Um, anything that uh, you've been playing with lately that has got you excited? You know, it's um, we're just coming up through the end of the summer, and it's. Uh, a, a welcome respite from the ridiculous number of launches in the spring. Tell me about it. So I've but been phone apocalypse. Techtober is coming. Yep, I'm. I'm glad that we've had four weeks of nothing really new, but we're going to be diving right in. We've got Efa coming up in yep. a couple of weeks, and uh, we can be I, sure iPhone. that. Um, yep, we've got that. We've got. Uh, the Pixel, Pixel Four, yeah. and uh, it, we're going to steamroll the rest of the year. So, and then Mate Thirty Pro at some point, and yep. uh, what else are we expecting? One Plus Seventy, whatever the next One Plus Five G phone, the Five G phone for Sprint that we just talked about. So yeah, I feel like we've been running a marathon, and we took a small break, and we're about to run another marathon for the rest of the year. And then before we can say rest of the year, it'll be CES. That's yeah. Already getting those emails. I got my first one today, <laughs> and I was like, "Screw you! I don't want to deal with this right now." <laughs> I was like, "I'm not ready for this." Shit. Nope, not happening. Not happening now. Um, yeah. So um, you know, I think we should wrap up. I just uh, was curious if you wanted to share your uh, social media handles, your personal ones, and tell people where they can find your writing. I mean, obviously, Android Authority, but maybe you have more you want to share. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Zeman underscore E and uh, on Instagram at Z underscore underscore Eric. 
Wow, double underscore. You went all yeah. out. You're like old school. You're like command line. I'm going to just type this as underscores. Yeah, no, I had a great Twitter handle that I had to change uh, for professional reasons. And all the good ones that are variations of my name are, are taken at this yeah. point. So I hear you. What are you going to do? Yeah, what do you do? I had uh, to settle on something. And folks can read you at Android Authority, correct? Yep, Android Authority. Right. And then you folks all know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Like the comic book character, but you drop the vowels and you get my Twitter handle, Instagram handle. Um, also, there is my blog at tankerl.com, which has a whole bunch of, generally it's mostly deals. I kind of summarize all my content. I put the podcast there. I put I put my YouTube videos on the blog. But it, if you're looking for good deals, I've got a partnership with Gearbest right now, and they have some pretty good prices on some phones. And when you buy through my links on my website, you'll actually support the podcast, support the YouTube channel, support me. So I'd appreciate if you looked at tankerl.com. Again, no vowels. Um, also, I want to say that the YouTube channel exists, youtube.com slash Miriam Joir. If you don't know how to spell my name, very easy. Go to, to Twitter. The handle I gave you, Tank Girl, go and look. My name is right there. You know, youtube.com, Miriam Joir, no space. And you'll find a channel that you should subscribe to and like the videos of because it's all about videos like my Mate X hands-on, which by the time you get this podcast will be up on the sh- on the YouTube channel, which is basically, you know, hands-on videos, uh, unboxings, a lot of unboxings, reviews, etc. Basically visual content to go along the podcast. Uh, and the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. If you want to subscribe with an RSS feed, the old school way, that's where the RSS feed is, mobiletechpodcast.com. But there's also on all the big platforms. So Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, even uh, Spotify and TuneIn Radio. It's everywhere. So just uh, subscribe and tell your friends. We'd love that. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Tell your friends. All that good stuff. Uh, and I want to thank our sponsor. We have a sponsor. They're awesome. They've been with us for a long time now. Audible.com. Audible is the place to go for audiobooks. It's pretty much the only place to go for audiobooks. If you love books and you like having them read to you, they are the place to go. So check out Audible. Uh, there's a special deal for listeners of the podcast. If you go in the show description below, you'll see that there is a deal. And it's so basically you get a free month and you get to keep the books you buy during the month if you cancel. Uh, and you support the podcast if you sign up. So please do. If you don't already have an Audible account, we'd appreciate that you get one and try it out for 30 days and support the show. Uh, audibletrial.com slash mobiletech is the URL. If you are listening and you can't look at the show notes, that's audibletrial.com slash mobiletech. I want to thank Audible for being a longtime sponsor. They rock. And I love the fact that their books, uh, sometimes they're read by the authors. That's really, really cool. And if you like a delivery driver or something, you can't read a book while you're working. Well, guess what? Now you can listen to a book while you're working. Pretty cool. So thanks to Audible. And then again, thanks to Eric for being here in my hotel room in Shenzhen. Yeah, thanks look- for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun. And uh, we'll have you on again sometimes if you're up for it. Yeah. But uh, until then, uh, stay tuned. We'll have another show next week. And we'll talk to you then. Cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.